The following message is from Ridgewood Church in Greer, South Carolina. For more information, visit RidgewoodGreer.com. Man, it's such a joy to be able to be here as a church family, to be able to do the things that we've done everywhere the Lord's put us, but to do it here by the Lord's grace in this place that is going to be our, our long-term home. Man, it's, it's almost overwhelming. I mean, just a moment ago as we were singing the doxology, I was almost just entirely overwhelmed at the voices and the harmonies and just singing about God's goodness to us and our, and our gratitude to God for so many different things. Uh, now, this is a little bit of a unique Sunday for us. We don't typically have the kids all in worship with us. That's a family worship gathering. This is something that we do periodically every fifth Sunday. And so if your kids start to get squirmy and they need to go for a walk, you need to take them out back and let them do laps around the parking lot, that is totally fine. If your kid is squealing and squawking and you're thinking, my kid, everybody is looking at me and everybody's, everybody's thinking about me and everybody's wishing I would get my kid under control, that is false because all of the other kids are squeaking and squawking as well. It's totally fine. We're grateful that God and his grace and his spirit and his word is, is strong enough to not be deterred by the squeals of babes and infants, right? So we're, we're grateful to be together and grateful to have the kids in here. All right, kids, look at me. All the kids, wave at me. All the kids. Hey, oh yeah, that's a solid wave back there, Josiah. I love it. All right. On the count of three, I want everybody to yell your favorite alien, okay? On the count of three, everyone, yell your favorite alien, okay? One, Two, three, Alf. Did you say SpongeBob, Steph? Now we're going to take a look at this same passage that uh, Hannah and Reagan were teaching just a moment ago. We're going to spend some time in these verses. We're going to look at verse 13 and verse 20 in addition to verse 19. But before we jump in, let's take a moment to just go to the Lord and thank God for his goodness to us. Lord God, we thank you so much for your grace and peace that you offer us through Jesus. We thank you that uh, you saw us in our plight and our distance from you, God. You saw us in our sin, and by your mercy, you were moved towards us. You sent your son Jesus to die for us, to bear our sin, so that, so that we could believe on him and receive forgiveness, and we could receive your spirit, and we could walk in your spirit and learn to love the things of God, the things of heaven, to love holiness, to love joy, to love sacrifice, to love generosity, to love service, to love one another. We pray, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would be present even, even in these next few minutes as we look again once at these scriptures. We pray that, it would, uh, that you would uh, stir in our hearts a love for your church. And we pray for these children, as Reagan just prayed a moment ago, we pray that uh, these kids would, would learn to love the church, but more than that, they would love you, Jesus, that you would open their hearts, that they would, that they would see the gospel, that they would respond to it, that they would be baptized that missionaries and faithful teachers and faithful plumbers and all sorts would come from, come from these children. Lord, we pray for uh, the efforts of these parents. Uh, we're not all parents in this room, but for the parents who are in this room, we pray for their efforts in discipling these kids. We pray that you would bless them. And we pray also uh, that our church would be a church that is hospitable to these young ones and that we would, we would eagerly invite them to you in the way that you taught us, Lord Jesus. We pray for a couple of specific things. We pray for Sam Ferguson and her mom. We pray for healing for Sam's mother. We pray for patience for Sam. 
We pray for Luke Summerlin and the passing of his grandmother. We pray, God, for your comforting grace to be with Luke's family. We also pray for uh, my brother Jason uh, Arledge, who who just mentioned a a loss close to him. We pray for your comfort to be near to him. Uh, And we pray for our evangelistic efforts here in this church building, that uh, the, the message and the hope of Christ would resound from these facilities and that you would give us opportunity to make Jesus known here and in this neighborhood. We love love you, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would speak to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now, what we want to do in this time as we move forward in this fifth Sunday family worship time is spend some time in catechism questions. Everybody say catechism. Catechism. Now, catechism sounds like some kind of disorder, but it's actually a a word for questions and answers that are intended to uh, sort of be sticky in the minds of kids. And so the question that we're going to ask and answer today is this. What is the church? Everybody say that. What is the church? How would you answer that? How would you answer that question as to what the church is? Maybe you would say the church is the building. It's the four walls. It's the actual street address, 407 Ridgewood Drive. Or if you have a home church somewhere, maybe you think of your home church. Or maybe, like what I think the scriptures tell us, you think of the people. The church is constituted by not brick and mortar, but hearts and souls, people who have been united together under the blood of Jesus. All right, let's look again at Ephesians chapter 2. We'll look at verse 13, and then we'll look at 19 and 20. Paul the Apostle writes, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. All right, so as Reagan and Hannah already mentioned, Ephesians is a letter written to a group of early Christians in the city of Ephesus. This is in modern-day Turkey, and the letter was written by a guy called Paul. Paul was an early Christian missionary and theologian. He was a a monster when it came to just producing material about Jesus in those early years. And Paul tells us in this letter that he's writing this book for encouragement, that he wants to encourage and strengthen the readers of Ephesians. He's writing to Christians, those formerly separated by ethnicity. They were formerly separated by their customs, by their last name, by the way that they celebrated holidays. There was formerly a distance and a gap between Jews and Gentiles. God's promises were for the Jews. But Paul writes, reminding these Christians that no, no, the, the promises aren't just for the Jews. The promises are for all of those who had placed their faith in Jesus. And part of Paul's encouragement in this passage is to remember who you are now. Remember that you are united in Christ. In Christ, there is one new man, a, a new race of people in Christ. And so in this passage, we see three things we were, and then Paul says, three things we are. Three things we were. He reminds us. First, he says, we were far off. In verse 13, you who were once far off. All right, kids, look at me. Kids, do any of you guys have cousins? Yeah? Are cousins not the greatest people in the world? We love our cousins. We love playing with our cousins. Nerf gun with cousins. I remember my cousins, we would turn out all the lights in, our, in the playroom, and we would find foam balls, and we'd just chuck it. Just chuck it. and Just chuck it. And then we'd turn the lights on just to see what damage we had inflicted on one another, right? That's the kind of stuff you do with cousins. Now, does anybody have cousins that live far, far away from you? How much of a bummer is it to have cousins that live far, far away from you? It's the worst. 
when you're far off from your cousins, I mean, that means you're not close. That means you got to have a really good arm if you want to throw those Nerf balls to hit those cousins, right? You don't see them. You don't talk to them regularly. And Paul is saying in this passage, we were once Christians. Those of us in this room, we were once far off from one another. There was once a great chasm, a distance that separated us. He says, we were far off. And then he says, we were strangers. Has anybody ever been to one of those hibachi grill places where they, they flip the shrimp? Yeah, it's a very confusing business model because you go to celebrate grandma's birthday and then there's like two 16-year-olds on a first date who are put at the end of your table as well, right? It's like, this is grandma, this is, I don't know who you are, but you know, glad, glad that we can eat here together. It's very confusing. You're paired with these people that you don't know. And the thing about strangers is you don't know strangers, you don't know what they like. You don't know if they're going to go with the, 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 the shrimp. You don't know if they're going to go with the steak or the chicken, right? You don't know anything about the strangers. You can't trust them. You don't know them. You don't know their loves, their interests. There's somebody who's not part of your tribe. And Paul says we were once far off and we were once strangers. We were once strangers, separated from one another, not knowing one another, not, not having our loves and our interests overlap at all. And like strangers, he also says we were once aliens, like Grogu or Alf or the, whatever little green guy fills that blank for you. Alien can mean someone who is not from here. And Paul says it's like we weren't from the same place. We were aliens. We were outside of the household of God, outside of God's family. We were cut off from one another. But by the blood of Jesus, all of that changes. Because what the gospel tells us is that all people, regardless of where you're from, regardless of that last name, regardless of your bank account, regardless of what you look like, regardless of, of, of your church history, regardless of whether or not you grew up inside of walls like this, all of us are fallen and all of us are apart from God. But God in his grace sees that and he sends Jesus to cover us with Jesus' blood and Jesus' righteousness so that we could be forgiven and the gospel first tells us that all people are in the same boat, that all of us are in need of forgiveness. And by the blood of Christ, forgiveness is made available for every one of us who would repent and believe the gospel. It's not about the stuff we do. It's not about the, the good works threshold that we cross. It's about Jesus and receiving his gift of salvation. And then watch this. We were once far off, but now, what does Paul say? We are brought near. The gap has been closed. We have moved back together as the way that things always ought to have been. We were once strangers, but now we are fellow citizens with the saints. We were once aliens, but now we are members of God's household. We've become fellow citizens with the saints. It's like our passport has been changed, and all of us are now covered by the blood of Jesus. We're all a part of one another. All of y'all are a part of all of y'all who profess faith in Jesus. I think about just this room, and I realize not everybody in this room has been on the journey with Ridgewood Church that we've gone on. But I think about just this room. I mean, eight years ago, who would have thought that these faces and these hearts and souls would be congregated here? Isn't it amazing to see what the Lord has done in bringing all of us together? It's amazing how God has sovereignly orchestrated for every soul who makes up Ridgewood Church to make up Ridgewood Church. We were aliens, we were strangers, but now we are fellow citizens and members of the household of God. We all play a part in this community now. 
And what I love what Paul says here is it, he makes it really clear that the household he's describing here isn't some physical household. He's not describing some physical structure because he tells us that this household is built, in verse 20, on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus being the cornerstone. This household is built on the gospel that Peter and the apostles and the prophets preached, the gospel of Jesus' death on the cross for sins. This household is built on the message of Christ. This household is the church, not a building, not a structure, not brick and mortars, a people who profess Christ together. So what is the church? According to the New City Catechism, the church is this. A community elected for eternal life and united by faith who love, follow, learn from, and worship God together. God has saved us. We are united by our common faith in Jesus. We're united by our love for Jesus. We're united by our desire to learn from Jesus and to walk in Jesus' footsteps. We're united by the songs that we sing, worshiping Jesus. We were once far off, strangers and aliens, but now by the blood of Christ, We've been brought near as fellow citizens and members of the household of God. Now, I would guess that there's three types of people in here this morning. The first is that you are a part of Ridgewood Church. Maybe you're a Ridgewood Church long caller. In fact, I look out in the room and I think about where Greg Martin, we were in the cafeteria at Chandler Creek Elementary when you first came to be a part of our church family, <laughs> right? I look around the room and I think about, Mikey, we were at the lawn at Resurrection Church when you became a part of our church family. Uh, Tyler and Lauren, you guys were, we were at uh, Grace Hall when you guys locked in with us. You were kind of at the end of the Greer Community Ministries time, then we were at Grace Hall. I, I think about all of the places each of us have been in this particular journey. Let's be reminded of our mission to make Jesus known from Greer to the ends of the earth together. To see strangers become neighbors and neighbors become a part of the family of God. And here's my challenge to you today, people who are a part of Ridgewood Church. Do not leave this room without making lunch plans with somebody you don't know. If lunch doesn't work today, make coffee plans with somebody this week. Make, make lunch plans for Tuesday or Thursday, whatever it is. Don't leave this room without making plans with somebody who is united to you by the blood of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you're not part of our church, or maybe you're not part of any church, what I would say to you is that you are living contrary to God's design for you in Christ. There's no such thing as a Christian-only child. You've been brought near, made a citizen, you've been made a member of God's household, whether you like it or not. So become a part of a church family. Don't live like a stranger or alien. Find a church home. And kids, we, we one day, we want to see you kids become a part of this church family. We want to see you guys grow up and be welcomed into membership here at Ridgewood Church. In a couple of moments, uh, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And one of the key messages of the Lord's Supper is that none of us is alone in this. That we take from one loaf, we drink from one cup, which reminds us that we are saved by one man, the Lord Jesus. And we are united together in Christ. As we take the Lord's Supper, let's be reminded of this truth about us. That if we profess Jesus, we are a part of Jesus' family. And then lastly, if you're here this morning and you are not a Christian, the thing that I would say to you is that you are far off. You are a stranger. You are an alien. You are cut off from the promises of God in Christ. And the answer is for you to believe on Jesus and receive the forgiveness that only Jesus offers, that only Jesus is strong enough to provide. And so the invitation for you to this morning is 
let's grab lunch and let's talk more about that this week. Uh, come speak with any of the pastors, group leaders, your friend that you came with about what it means to be a Christian, to believe on Christ, and to be saved. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're going to take the Lord's Supper here together. The Lord's Supper is given us as a gift from the Lord Jesus, and we look three directions as we take the supper. We look backwards to be reminded of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We look forward to be reminded of the wedding feast that is to come. These are the hors d'oeuvres of the supper that awaits us one day. And then we look outward. We look around us at the the brothers and sisters, the, the knuckleheads that share this meal together, those who believe on Christ as a family. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to bless the taking of a supper. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in you we have been brought near, that your blood covers us and we are no longer separated, we are no longer at odds, at enmity with one another, we are, we are no longer your enemies, we are no longer at uh, enemies with one another, but we have been given the peace of Christ which gives a peace between us, which makes us a family. We pray, Lord God, that you would uh, make that true of our church family here at Ridgewood Drive. That we would be a church that is devoted to, to knowing you and to worshiping you and to loving you, uh, to being united around you first and above and beyond all things. We pray as we take the supper, Lord Jesus, that uh, it would say something to us and, and minister to our hearts about the sweetness of your gospel and the, the, the sustaining power of your grace as we eat this bread and drink this juice. And I do pray that it would be a visceral reminder of the communion, the unity that we have in your people, Lord Jesus. We pray pray blessings on this time, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.